0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Gateway Presents. My name is Andrew McQuinney. I'm the opinion editor of The Gateway, the uh, University of Alberta's official student media source. And here with me, two lovely gentlemen, uh, if you want to introduce yourselves.
1: Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm Jonah Dunch. I'm the arts and culture editor at The Gateway, and I'm also the Prairie North Region representative for the Canadian University Press, which is a national organization that represents student papers um, and other media outlets across the country.
2: Hi, my name is Kyle Monda and I'm a fifth year Art and Design student here at University of Alberta.
0: So welcome everybody. Glad to have you on here. So what we're coming here to talk about today is uh, some of the Ford administration's recent announcements about multiple things. Uh, slash of ten percent to university tuition. Um, the inclusion of, these, I believe it's called the Student Choices Initiative, so decisions for secondary students, post-secondary students, I should say, to um, decide where their student fees are going, so basically having an opt-out model for some student union fees, and uh, some of the implications there. Where do we even start, yeah. Andrew? <laughs> where do we even start? There's, there was a lot going on yeah. here, um, and I think even when the announcements were coming out, things were very fuzzy and things were very much panicky. We weren't really sure what was going on. A lot of details were left very vague and kind of rolled out over the next few days. So.
2: I think this announcement was very indicative of how the Ford government has performed in general since it's been in power in that it's kind of like shoot from the hip, chaotic, not necessarily 100% thought out initiatives before they're announced. And that was definitely the case with this announcement in that there was a lot of confusion in the immediate aftermath and various ministers had to clarify certain points afterwards because it wasn't clear in the announcement what exactly this meant for um, financial aid and um, student loan interest rates, as well as the, the opt-out student fee suggestion is also like extremely vague and leaves a lot up to universities to decide rather than in the legislation itself.
1: That's absolutely right, Kyle. And I think what's become clear over the past few days, as um, you know, further details have been ironed out, as it's been in the media a bit more, is that the Ford government made this decision largely on the basis of a kind of feeling of an ideological commitment, and not on the basis of um, sound policy analysis, nor on the basis of consultation with the relevant interested parties. Um, for instance, you know, it's become clear that many uh, national organizations, such as the Canadian University Press, of, which I'm on the board of, as well as the Canadian Federation of Students and student associations and papers across the country um, did not have their voices heard or even you know, considered um, before these announcements were, were made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to that kind of point of, um, again, that shooting from the hip and that not clarity and that ideological kind of push of policy, we see the Ford government cutting tuition, but not providing backfill funding, and also saying to universities that if they do not commit to these tuition cuts, that they don't even get their core funding package at all. And some bizarre choices there that are made, and just not really a lot of kind of sound groundwork for what these policies are going to entail, and also like controlling any kind of massive changes they're going to make. Because they are going to make massive changes, but it seems the Ford government isn't really ready to kind of... Uh, Take those changes in stride or provide solutions for that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they. Do have a point in that tuition in Ontario is too high. On average, tuition in Ontario is the highest in Canada. So, but a 10% cut in one year, not phased in over time with no backfill funding, is not the way to do it. And that that'll put a lot of pressure on universities to find quick ways to cut costs. And of course, as with any business, they have multi-year spending initiatives that they can't just stop halfway. So. It really doesn't help universities plan to be financially sustainable over like a 5-10 year period when they suddenly have a 10% cut in their tuition revenue, which usually is the second largest form of revenue for post-secondary institutions after their government grants.
1: And we can appreciate just how drastic that cut is um, when we think about the Albertan context that the U of A has been struggling with what I think it was like a 2% cut to some faculties or things like that <laughs> for several years and that has been this big thing that's been looming over especially the faculty of arts with you know um, coming from central admin and in general there have been worries about whether we're getting back full funding or not and things like that and and that's been for cuts that are considerably smaller than the ten percent that's happening in one year here, so a ten percent cut means you know hundreds of jobs, well if not thousands across the province. You know initiatives that will just be, be become spoiled milk, since they'll be done um, uh, before before they can come to fruition. Like contract instructors and other precarious workers in the academy getting laid off. Even to think about it, it's unfathomable and it's it's terrifying, really.
2: Yeah, on the short term basis, that universities will have to plan for their next budget year with this kind of cut, the two easiest things for them to cut are people and maintenance. So um, my guess would be that we'll see deferred maintenance bills rise in Ontario as well as job losses because for for example, like long term like capital projects and things, those aren't things that you can like cancel contracts for. So
0: Yeah, so I want to kind of come back to the second point, uh, the second part of the policy that was kind of introduced, which again was that student choices initiative. So the Ford government, according to their announcements, their press release sped that some student fees will be only mandatory if they are for, quote, essential campus initiatives, unquote, which include health and counseling, athletics and recreation, and academic support. And as we pointed out earlier, that's incredibly vague, doesn't really specify what each kind of like thing is under each kind of um, category, and that leaves a lot of interpretation up to individual uh, universities, which I think, personally, is a dangerous move considering some of the essential services that people may gloss over when they're thinking of the services that they pay for. So. And as we pointed out before, one of those things is uh, student media. So, oh
1: yes, it sure is, eh? Yeah. Yeah, no, you raised an interesting point, Andrew. Thanks for bringing it back to that. Um, now, of course, all of us here at this roundtable are involved in our campus media, so we have certainly an interest in keeping campus media alive. But I think the average student has an interest in that as well, even if they don't realize it, since the having an independent campus media is what allows students to keep the university and their student union and other representatives to account. You know, if it weren't for, for instance, you know, us at the Gateway here, there wouldn't be thorough um, coverage of our students' union elections, and people would have a harder time of figuring out who to vote for. And, and similarly with university issues, that sure, you know, a mainstream media does do coverage of major university announcements, but it doesn't necessarily give that in-depth look that um, a campus institution can provide. And it doesn't um, highlight specifically often what's important for students. And so, you know, in a way that the mainstream media isn't necessarily equipped to all the time, we as student journalists can hold our institutions to account. And now what this announcement um, in Ontario does is it, it demonstrates that the Ford government ultimately doesn't have a commitment to having independent student voices that will hold institutions of the powerful to account. It's, I think, ultimately a way to cripple student voices. Um, student representation and to really erode the democratic and civic life on campuses.
2: And that's deeply concerning to me. I think it's important to note too that all of the student fees that would potentially be opt outable under this policy are democratically chosen by students, and that both through the election of their representatives for student unions and other representative groups for them, as well as um, referendums for fees for other smaller groups and initiatives on campus that it it kind of varies from university to university, but generally um, fees have to be renewed every three to five years through a majority vote. And as well, from year to year, students, by electing the representatives to the student union are voting in the people who have control over the fees they're paying for those unions. Additionally, a lot of the fees already have opt-out mechanisms built into them. So it doesn't make sense that the government would be so interested in like forcing opt-out provisions on students when they've already been able to vote for fees with opt-out provisions if they wanted to or reject fees that they didn't want to pay.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think that comes back again to that ideological commitment that Ford was making. There's a lot of emphasis, I think, in a lot of um, the Ford administration, a lot of the campaigning on like making sure that students have choice or that people, individuals have that choice. Um, and not really recognizing, I think, in sense that that choice has already existed and it has for a while, but there's just kind of this emphasis on like that kind of choice. And maybe also a choice leaning towards, like, if this thing doesn't ideologically agree with me, I want to have the choice to get rid of it. I don't know. I guess that's kind of like a position I wanted to pull in there. The
2: best analogy I can think of for people that maybe don't know how student fees work is that it's almost like taxes for attending university and that. But you have a lot more direct control over it and that you actually get to choose which specific programs you want to fund. So allowing opt-outs for almost all of those fees, which can be deemed non-essential technically, if the university decides to deem them non-essential. Is kind of like being able to choose to opt out of taxes when you don't like the current government that's in power. It it just doesn't make sense.
1: No, that's absolutely right. And and I think the big question to ask Ford and his supporters, Doug, if you're listening, (laughs) is that you know you say it's a it's a choice, but is it a, a choice for whom exactly? You know, like um, as you were pointing out, it is kind of a politics of convenience where we want to you know support the groups that we like, and oh, student institutions are going to be the ones challenging us as the powerful, and so ooh, we don't want to let them have financial um, capital and therefore power. Um, in influencing the discourse, and that, well, I, I can't say enough how deeply concerning and disturbing that is, and I think even if you don't like your campus newspaper, you don't like your students' union, you want to rag on them a lot, which, you know, we certainly do around these parts, I think every student has an interest in having, in those institutions remaining healthy, being able to be something and and only then, only if we, you know, uh, um, have institutions that that people can be invested in, will we as students have, be able to have any united front when it comes to these issues that concern us.
0: I kind of want to bring the conversation over to the implications this has for uh, Albertan politics. We have, of course, as everybody knows, and everybody's eagerly waiting for on campus, the provincial election coming up. The UCP, the United Conservative Party, earlier in 2018 put into their policy book a policy which is very similar to the student choice initiative uh, that was put in recently by the Ford administration, basically saying that they want to make sure that student union fees, uh, anything, they haven't specified mandatory or not, all optional and also all Opt in, so as opposed to an opt out, where you automatically pay, but you have the choice to opt out, you would have to manually go in and say, "I want to pay this fee." You're uh, by default, you are not paying it. A big thing that I think, depending on however everything pans out uh, down east, is this may have a lot of ground for um, like proper implementation, or there if the Guinea government gets in, and I think there's a pretty good chance of that, or a pretty good possibility of that happening come the election, there's a pretty good chance of those policies being implemented here and affecting our own students here at the U of A. And I think to an even more destructive degree than just giving people the choice to opt out. If people don't know about the choice to opt in, or people don't care enough, they want to save ninety dollars, which I think is what our student union fees cost—just around ninety bucks. You want to save ninety dollars, but you lose all these other services. You lose advocacy. It can be a bit of a, a bit more of a terrifying possibility now that there's uh, that looming down east.
2: I don't think even universities want this policy to happen in that while students unions can be adversarial with universities, obviously, because they're there to advocate for students, not for the institution. They are partners and the university does benefit from student fees. Like for example, here at the University of Alberta, we have the APA Center fee, which is for the new gym that and like physical activity complex that was built here. And that was done as part of a partnership between the students union and the university. So the university was able to propose this project along with the Students' Union to the student body, and it was democratically approved by a majority of students, and because of that, the university could access the money from student fees to make that project happen. So if students' unions are decimated by an opt-in option, that entire fee option for doing projects like that that benefit students is out.
1: No, that that's definitely a good point. Yeah, that it really erodes the possibility for there being collaborative projects between you know the in, the institution, the university, mm-hmm. and the students' union, and the, you know students at large, um, and that is certainly very concerning. And it, it also cripples the possibility for the students' union to. Um, try out new things, renovate spaces, uh, and things like that. So
2: I also don't think that universities have the money to replace all the fees that students' unions provide currently. Like when you think about the peer support center the administration of the upass infolink services these are all things that are funded by our students union fees and the university just doesn't have extra money lying around to replace all of those vital services if the students union suddenly isn't able to provide them yeah,
1: and ultimately the choice of what services to try and pick up the slack on and which ones to leave by the wayside is a political choice you know we see in the ontario context that uh, it, it, the announcement was very vague, as you said. About okay, it's going to be these essential services, health and wellness, are involved, academic supports, but it, it, it's unclear what lies under the general banner of health and wellness. Does that include you know dental? Does that include? Counseling of all sorts, peer support, like you said, it, it's it's very unclear, and I'm not optimistic that that will become clear in that context or clear enough as it it's, as it needs to be. When we bring that to the Albertan context, I do have a worry that when they consider what health and wellness means, it won't be a, a holistic, multi-dimensional um, vision of that. It might be very narrowly focused on, say, clinical services, or or having a pharmacy or something like
2: that. We have a lot lot of services that definitely straddle the line between essential and non-essential and it, it really is a political choice where that line is drawn like for example we have the landing here at the U of A that is the only service on campus that specifically provides peer support to LGBTQ students whether that's deemed an essential health and wellness service for those students or whether it could be interpreted that they could access the other more clinical health and wellness services as well isn't really clear With under the Ford government's version of the legislation, which is almost like a sneak preview of what we could expect here in Alberta. so. It's definitely a political choice that will drastically impact the lives of students on campus.
1: And you raise an important point that many of these smaller services that are provided on campuses are for specific like minority groups of students. Um, and even if they're not like, you know, I'm, a marginalized group as such, still, our so many services are relevant to a, a proportional minority of students. Uh, for instance, the you know, there's the office of the student ombuds mm-hmm. at the University of Alberta, and I think I'd imagine most campuses um, countrywide have that, and that is a vital service when there are conflicts and you know worries about the violations of the code of student behavior, um, interpersonal conflicts between students or between students and professors. Professors. and so having that institution at hand so that students can access an ombudsperson to know what their rights are on campus and to have the possibility of conflict mediation and things like that is very important. But a relative minority of students will have to access those services in the course of their um, degree, since you know those are cases that might not come up for everyone, um, where it has to be that serious. Um, so that could be the kind of service that is deemed non-essential under, under this kind of new fee structure, and that, like everything else we've talked about, is very concerning.
0: Is there anything else anybody wanted to add as kind of final words about the Ford administration specific policy, about the ramifications that this kind of policy implementation may have for the future of Alberta, given the like possible um, outcomes of the election?
1: Ultimately, student media and student government and student services are in existence to serve the public good, to serve the common good of students. Um, as students, when we vote for these... Uh, fees when we vote for these services to exist and to advocate for us to be you know accessible for us to assume that students aren't going to care about that that it's good news for that to you know to frame it that way as the Ford government has been doing and for other students to um, you know nationwide to think that this is a good thing to hold that view and end there is a failure. Of political conscience, it's a failure to recognize that you are simply one individual who must participate in society for the common good, or you know, to have a healthy civic space for students, for the public, for everyone.
2: I think that at the end of the day, this is Ford, and potentially in the future, Kenny catering to their base, and that there is a small but vocal population of students on campus who are very much ideologically opposed to paying these fees because they see them in opposition to the views that they hold. But the, I don't think that the majority of students hold that view because if not, the fees wouldn't be, get approved every year. So,
0: Excellent. Thank you both for coming on today, talking about Ford Administration's new policy. And uh, yeah, thank you for all coming on.
2: All right. Thanks so much, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me.